Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Tim and John show. It is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. And I'll tell you the hardest part about doing the show is trying to narrow down all the crazy stuff we're going to talk about. I mean, the debt just passed $30 trillion. Of course, unfunded obligations are probably you know closer to $200 trillion before the pandemic began. Uh, terrible job numbers came out today. We've got the Federal Reserve backpedaling. We've got a former Federal Reserve governor, the same guy that said that the Fed was using heroin and cocaine to inflate the markets. Now they're using Adderall. Well, that was now was in like seven years ago. Uh, but now he's saying that the Fed has beer goggles for their current recommendations. And this is a former Fed governor. And that's just, oh, yeah. I mean, since the last Tim and John show, the Federal Reserve on their own website launched a 40 page policy paper on basically Fed coin, the CBDC. Yeah, any other day, that'd be like a red alert fucking headline, but not in this world. Uh, we've got, I mean, maybe, maybe that is the headline. You guys let us know in the comments, like what is the craziest thing on board here? And, uh, yeah, I think that, but we did, you know, I did talk about that with Ernest Hancock on his show and had about an hour long show on that, where I read the whole, uh, 40 page thing and gave you guys the highlights. I know that that's up, up in the podcast feed. John also had like a marathon. Uh, he had like a, an actual like marathon, uh, episode with him that was like three and a half hours long getting into a lot of the trucker stuff going on uh, a lot of like the really behind the scenes things the repo crisis and i'm not all the way through it but this is like an hour of it sorry john had a lot of, a lot of stuff going on but you yeah. guys can go to timandjohnshow.com so you're not behind so you know where you can see everything because and that is on his odyssey channel as well so make sure you guys check that out we'll have all the links at timandjohnshow.com and you know people who are signed up to that uh not only are you getting some of the stuff that doesn't make it on to youtube but, you know, you're getting the stuff, uh, you know, you're making sure that you're getting it all as, you know, they don't notify people. And obviously, you know, the shadow banning and stuff they don't like us talking about. And yeah, we've got other headlines, you know, Fidelity announces it's a Bitcoin first world. I mean, that's a pretty big headline. Uh, we've got, you know, The Hill talking about climate lockdowns. Uh, yeah, pretty big, uh, pretty big headline. Uh, graphene oxide that's in something like that, that probably not really going to mention too much because, you know, they wouldn't really allow us on here if we're going to talk yep. about that. And of course, we've got our very own John Snyson up in Kazakhstan to talk about the trucker convoy, the Freedom Convoy. And I mean, really, I mean, how do you even prepare for a show like this? And where do you even begin? And I mean, I'm like out here working. It's like 8.25 right now. We're working all day. Uh, I was sick on Monday. So I mean, just been one thing after another. And it's just like, you know, going straight from work and right into boom. Like, what do we talk about? But I mean, really... The only reason I really wanted to start a podcast in 2016 was really to sort of keep a tally on how much crazy shit basically that I talked about and like all the stuff that had come to fruition because I wanted to wake people up. I wanted to get people out of this fake left right paradigm and I wanted to make sure it affect the world so that way those crazy predictions didn't come true. So I wanted to like work against those predictions. Uh, but I mean, now a lot of that stuff, a lot of stuff, you know, that was crazy doesn't even seem, doesn't even like register as crazy anymore because, you know, the bar has been up so much. Uh, I mean, one of the things I think that could be coming out is I, I honestly do think, you know, it, a very good chance my, if I was betting today, it'd be Hillary 2024. I basically helped, you know, start, you know, activism where I was actually putting my name out there. Uh, first, I was a libertarian advisor, then I got pissed off the libertarian party. And yeah, long story. Anyways. I didn't want Hillary to win because I thought she was going to start war with Russia. And basically that war is, you know, basically sort of delayed a little bit because, you know, sort of the ultimate end game over here is to eventually have when the Federal Reserve collapses underneath all of its own debt and hyperbubble and weight, they want to be able to blame it on a boogeyman like Russia or China or the Easter Bunny or, you know, who knows. And, you know, really, I just want to sort of prevent whatever sort of false flag they're going to do 
to basically keep the control, keep the narrative going. And, you know, I don't actually want to be really doing a podcast, but I know that I've put so much time and effort and energy into understanding this, not to sound like some egotistical maniac, but, you know, I think that, you know, John and I and other people that we associate with, that we have certain knowledge from just being into just being weirdos that are, you know, we're into this stuff for 18 hours a day for over a decade. And then having the financial knowledge that we're able to piece together a piece of the puzzle that other people don't have, because ultimately everything comes down to the financial system. And I, you know, I don't, I hope, you know, trying to prevent, you know, like a power grid attack by talking about it, trying to prevent a small top pox attack by talking about it. You know, I don't want hyperinflation. I don't want billions of people to starve to death. I don't want, uh, you know, my children suffering, your children suffering. I don't want to live in a world where psychopaths are basically spraying the sky with aluminum, barium, strontium, sulfuric acid. I don't want to live in the world where the Federal Reserve is basically our slave master. And once they lose control of everything, you know, some major war starts off like I was just talking about. And, you know, one of the very first things that adorned my first, uh, you know, Facebook page, which really only they allowed me to grow for two and a half months, it grew to like 32,000 people, a little bit over that. In two and a half months, I was growing faster than like Ben Shapiro. I was reaching like InfoWars type numbers. And then boom, getting kneecapped right in the very beginning. I mean, obviously John getting, you know, he was doing stuff with Josh a little bit longer and, you know, they were putting out videos constantly. And so they got the growth to a really large number. But I know I was getting just kneecapped right in the beginning. And today, like I had a, I had a ton of optimism back then because I'm like, you know, if I can do this from a standstill, I can teach other young kids and other people how to do this. And we can just culture jam the system. But then they, you know, through the censorship, they started blocking everybody. So you couldn't get any actual real information out. And so we, like Alex Jones said, we are in an information war. We have been in an information war. And right now, that's why they're, I mean, you can say what you want about Joe Rogan, but I mean, he is getting attacked seven ways to Sunday. Uh, I mean, I'm wearing a Djokovic shirt right now. And yeah, I mean, there's, I guess, you know, some questionable things about him, but you know what, he's one, he's only like top 200 tennis player in the world that's not vaccinated. And uh, you know what, and I, did start playing tennis about six months, nine months before the pandemic began. Played one professional match about uh, two weeks before quarantine began. Lost, so my professional record is 0 and 1. But you know, I never, never had any lessons. I just taught myself. And you know what? You gotta put yourself in the arena. And speaking of being in the arena, that first quote on my Facebook page was from Barry Goldwater, who is a great senator, which is not something two words you ever really put together, but a great senator out of Arizona. And then, of course, unfortunately, his seat went to the piece of shit, John McCain. But his quote was, extremism in defense of liberty is no vice and moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. And, you know, I'm sorry for I'm just like this huge opening rant. It's just like, where do you begin? You know, you had a long work day. You see all this news. It's all crazy. We don't want this to stop. And, you know, I, you know, John and I, you know, myself, you know, I'm putting, you know, myself, my family, the career, you know, sort of everything on the line. For this truth because i mean you think if hillary gets in that you know it's going to be a fun time for me when you know all of a sudden our bank will be fun camps and the thing is it's not people are like oh well first you're like oh this stuff doesn't exist and on the other hand they're like oh well you shouldn't speak out about this and you know what? if we don't speak out about this you know maybe they come for me not saying they're going to come for me first i mean i'm not anyone special a lot of other people that are you know much more high profile than us and that's you know part of the reason why i don't want to get super big because i don't want to necessarily be you know super on the radar but if they do come after us and all of a sudden we get more on the radar and then it strides and affects things. So, I mean, there is some, you know, good to that. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all sort of standing on the shoulders of people like Giver Griffin and Barry Goldwater and Ernest Hancock and Dr. Ron Paul and, you know, hundreds of others of lives, thousands of other lives, uh, you know, Yuri Brezmanov, all people who've dedicated their lives to exposing this stuff. And at the end of the day, I don't want my kids to be slaves. I don't want your kids to be slaves. I, 
don't really think that's too much to ask for. I mean, I don't want you know, half my money stolen. I don't want to you know, have my money be borrowed into existence. Uh, I don't want you poisoning the food, the air, the water. Uh, I mean, I don't want you raping little kids uh, and drag queen story time. I mean, we need I'm, drag I'm not queen really story time. Much. I mean, don't poison me. Don't poison kids. Don't, you know, do all the stuff we just mentioned. And just don't be a bunch of psychopaths. I mean, is that... Yeah, really just leave us, leave us the fuck alone. How about that? <laughs> yeah, right. And we're done with the show. Let's not talk about any of the stuff we're just talking about. <laughs> we're so I'm going to let John talk now. I think, you know, obviously with him being from... I'm not being from Canada, but living in Canada right now, I think it's, uh, you know, what better place to start than to, you know, talk about the Freedom Convoy. And, you know, you guys finally grew a pair up there. You guys finally, like, doing something. I mean, I couldn't be more supportive of everything that's going on. And, you know, I did see an article. I don't have it pulled up right now. But I saw an article where I think the Ottawa government like wanted or some city council guy in Ottawa, somebody in Ottawa in the capital wanted to basically lobby to get the GoFundMe money to go to Ottawa instead of the truckers. And so, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And I will give a quick shout out to Josh Seekerson. He had an amazing video um, where he was posting like a lot of like cell phone footage from inside the meetings. And there was a guy. And I, so go check out his uh, channel on um, World Alternative Media on BitChute, and, and he gave, like, there was this footage where it was showing the police being, like, basically, like, hey, you know, we're, we're going to let you guys move, otherwise we're going to arrest you, and this is our negotiation tactic, and the truckers are holding their line, so, you know, I do commend the truckers up there, but, John, sorry for that huge freaking rant, uh, I know uh, you're the one who, you know, basically, you know, helps motivate me to do podcasts, so I will yeah. let you talk now, so what's going on in Canada, you know, Let's start with that and then uh, obviously get into all the other crazy stuff we mentioned. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, it's it's crazy time out there. And, of course, uh, Mr. Trudeau, he's just, like, totally ignorant. He's, like, one of those uh, – I, I forgot who was in, uh, like, at the end of, like, the communist era that stood up amongst, you know, uh, all of his people and, you know, uh, was talking and then suddenly heard one boo and then two boos and then the whole crowd was booing him. And that kind of, like, was the end of the whole communist era – back in you know old soviet union uh so i think we're getting closer to that point where basically uh you know the, the this is what oh, you know you've got, Tack- you've got the article yeah yeah, yeah i found it yeah <laughs> and, and this you know that this been talked to like they actually gofundme was freezing the money and then uh basically ottawa city councilor which is like total you know like little minion in ottawa look who cares about ottawa city the only thing that's you know there i've been there actually you and me we did videos when uh when i was there i i did a video right in front of you know parliament talking about the, the project jasper that they were had going on which they abandoned you know with the central bank digital currency in canada but yeah no they uh they basically are trying to like they're asking to let's seize you know seven million dollars uh you know, from the that, you know, people uh, through public opinion, as Ernest Hancock said, you know, raised, uh, I think it's now like close to $8 uh, million, you know, the whole GoFundMe campaign. But what you're seeing, there's so much more to, you know, what's going on in Ottawa on, on top of everything. Uh, you have, they actually have, uh, you know, uh, operation centers uh, closer to the, you know, the entrance to Ottawa, where they actually have tons of food. They they're really prepared. Actually, there's a video of the the uh, the local police. I don't know if it's the local police or the RCMP uh, in Canada that are actually bringing in food supply to the truckers. <laughs> and uh, 
But, you know, it's funny how, uh, you know, the blue collar workers actually care about blue collar workers kind of thing. Because uh, they're 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 in the same boat. The the police officers, you know, they were asked to, you know, uh, either quit the police or, or you know get vaxxed here in Canada. And same with the military. You know, there's that that call as well, Tim. Like from the same Ottawa police, you know, they they're you know putting out videos there now that you know, oh, yeah, we need the uh, the military to help us. You know, like uh, what what good is the the military gonna really do coming into Ottawa and trying to remove truckers? Like, what are they gonna do? Like, uh, it's a lot of blockades there. Are they just going to roll over, uh, like, the trucks with tanks? Like, they can't even get above a truck with a tank. Like, it's a big vehicle, you know? So it's, uh, uh, and Trudeau is, of course, like, he got the trucker flu and and, uh, went into hiding, like, a couple of days before the convoy entered. Yeah, and it was pretty hilarious. So what's that? uh, There was a meme, and it was like, like, we're uh, missing, and it was, uh, you know, six foot two, and it was like a man in blackface, and then uh, has fake COVID or something. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a little bit. There, there's a lot of memes. There's actually Mad Max meme where you say like a, it's a truck with like fuck Trudeau and then a whole bunch of other trucks beside it. And then like you see Trudeau, you know, like running like in the Mad Max movie kind of thing. I'm thinking uh, there's... like, uh, like uh, what, are, what are they calling him? Like uh, Brando or something or. Uh, like well, well, it's like there's so many, yeah, there's so many things. Like there's actually like a Jurassic Park theme now, where there's like uh, they put Canada geese heads on the on the Raptors while the guy like Trudeau is hiding behind there, and like it's hilarious. Like he's really just getting it. And you know what's even actually just breaking uh, from Canada is uh, this little news here. And so Aaron O'Toole was like the conservative you know, leader here in Canada, he totally failed, like trying to get into power. And, but what happened though, was that public opinion has gotten so hot, you know, that uh, there's a couple of MPs now that, you know, called for his resignation and sure enough, it happened. And guess who they voted in? Uh, It's actually a lady from Manitoba. Uh, It's uh, the MP of Portage, uh, Lisgar. And she actually uh, put out like massive support for the truckers. We need freedom of choice. And she got voted the interim leader. You know, like I, I feel like we're, we're hitting that <laughs> public opinion, you know, where the conservative party finally found out that, oh, oh shit, you know, like we, we better get our stuff together. And so it's her and another guy called, uh, um, what's his name, Polivier. Um, uh, he as well, like have been calling out the inflation and uh, the whole economic side, like there's a clip of him actually saying like, hey, where do you, where are you getting all the spending money from? And he's like literally asking all the finance people, like all the, the whole finance group of Canada, like in the finance ministry, and nobody could tell him where the money is coming from, uh, which is basically just deficit spending. It's just debt that they're creating, right? So yeah, they're, they're in deep trouble, Tim. <laughs> And, and, and on top of that, they actually have a blockade at the uh, Montana-Alberta border as well going on right now. I don't know if people are aware of that, but uh, the RCMP tried to remove them and nobody wanted to move. And then they brought in, uh, they tried to bring in tow trucks and the tow truckers uh, won't cooperate either. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Like it's it's just totally hilarious. Like this is just oh, didn't uh, they called in sick. Oh sorry, we uh, we all have COVID, so yeah, so there's people that are saying that oh they're just using this to like create total chaos and 
and, and everything. But oh, you know, I, oh, you should see the. And, I, I was listening, so I drove home like I was super late uh, on Monday. You know, driving Trudeau, you know, you know the clip I'm talking about where he's you know trying to. I mean, it's so freaking scripted, and uh, it's like yeah. Do we do we want to show that clip? Uh, like it's it's, know, it's pretty... it like two minutes long or something. I, I I I've heard it. I don't I don't know where it's at, but I know that you're like really good with this stuff. So I think that that is yeah. one that would be because I mean there's just so much BS and like gaslighting and just projecting and. It's just uh, like a masterclass in bullshitting, uh, especially when you got this guy running around in blackface all the time, you know, calling other people racist and like, oh, there's, you know, supposedly somebody with a swastika. Like, yeah, I yeah. I will bet uh, everything that, that that person was an agent provocateur, probably government agent uh, who was probably there doing that or maybe some sort of leftist trying to frame uh, the right. And again, fake left, right paradigm. It's all yeah. BS. But, you know, there's no way that, you know, real truckers that want freedom are going in there with swastikas. I mean, that's completely ridiculous. And, uh, you know, okay, well, one person had a rebel flag. Uh, I mean, the whole civil war was started underneath false pretenses. But anyways, you got that, you got that pulled up or... Uh, uh, just one second, I'm just trying to... I'm just trying to find... I know, put you yeah, on the spot. Yeah, then, uh, here we go. I think I found it now. So let's see. This is, this is prior. This is uh, right before the coming in It's Ottawa. important to underline that close to 90% of truckers in this country are vaccinated. Bullshit. Like close to 90% of Canadians. Over the past many months and years now, Canadians have stepped up to protect each other, to protect our frontline workers, to protect our elders, to protect our young people, to protect people like truckers who are putting food on our grocery store shelves. Canadians have stepped up to do the right thing to protect the freedoms and the rights of Canadians to get back to the things we love to do. We know the way through this pandemic is by getting everyone vaccinated. And the overwhelming majority, close to 90% of Canadians have done exactly that. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. Yeah, so that's kind of that was the initial one. There's there's one no, more. There tip. was another. There was another yeah. one that I saw that was like once yeah. it was like already underway, uh, where he was basically saying it's like racist and anti-Semite, yeah. so we're not going to tolerate that. And that was like really the one that I was I referring to. So if you want to go search that one, in the meantime, yeah. though, I am interested in like what the, sort of like the pulse of the people there is, and you know, sort of like your average. I mean, I don't really buy the number that 90% are vaccinated there, but let's say it's, I don't know, let's say it's 70% are vaccinated. Uh, well, A, like, what do you think the real number is in Canada? And B, like, even those people is are, like, your average sort of, like, slave in Canada saying, you know, screw these guys, are they for the truckers, against the truckers, or, uh, and it, you know, so what's, what's your sort of, like, general take on what's going on, and, and is it just some fringe minority? Uh, so I don't know if you want to play the clip and then answer those questions, or... Uh, 
or I can keep rambling and buy you more time to find. Yeah, if you if you go on for a couple more minutes there, I I just trying to find the stupid clip of this moron. Uh, I I think I might have find it found it here. Let's see here. Yeah, just, so I mean, uh, with Trudeau, I mean he did you know graduate from Klaus Schwab's uh, you know little business school. I forgot what, do you know what Klaus Schwab's uh, like school is called or like his global leaders school. Um, I, I'm sorry, you know that you're trying to think while doing this at the same time. But I know that like, Trudeau is like pretty much uh, you know one of like the ideal sort of minions like of these guys, and it's someone that Klaus Schwab praises all the time and someone, you know, when he's not, you know, praising, you know, Xi or praising, uh, you know, all these other, you know, dictators that are just falling in line. So, uh, you know, he really is, you know, like the model globalist of where, what they want people to do along with Macron and all the other, you know, cronies they've got in there. But okay, January 31st, this is probably, this is hopefully. This yeah, is that, this is, this is it. This is the, like one of the hilarious, like this is, I think he had one after this, but this is basically I mean, the what other it's pretty good too. By uh, I mean, like, but this one gets better. This one, this one is a lot better. Okay, here we go. Freedom of expression, assembly and association are cornerstones of democracy, but Nazi symbolism, racist imagery and desecration of war memorials wow. are not. It is an uh, insult no. to memory and truth. <laughs> Hate can never be the answer. Over the past few days, Canadians were shocked and frankly disgusted by the behavior displayed by some people protesting in our nation's capital. I want to be very clear. We are not intimidated by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless. We won't give in to those who fly racist flags. We won't cave to those who engage in vandalism or dishonor the memory of our veterans. To the politicians exploiting people's fears, I ask you to think long and hard about the consequences of your actions. To the nearly 90% of truckers across the country who've gotten vaccinated, who continue working hard to keep us fed and keep our economy moving. Like none of the plants are moving, nothing's moving on there. You know, that, that, that little bitch was behind the green screen, just like I am right now, but looking like it's more believable with the background. I bet he wasn't even outside, probably wasn't even cold wearing that stupid little jacket, acting like he's tough. Uh, oh my God! I mean, I just wish somebody was out there and like pelted him in the face with a snowball or something. Like, how awesome would that be? Metaphorically, a metaphoric yeah. information snowball to the face yeah. of uh, Justin Castro. Uh, but I'm not making it. Yes. I'm not doing anything because yeah. I'm not going to Canada <laughs> ever again. Which you know is, you know, sort of shitty because now that I've got lots of friends that are from Canada and you know, you know, there is a lot of nice landscape up there, but I mean, to say that it's just a bunch of racists and anti-Semites and, you know, that the vast majority of Canadians don't stand for this and that, I mean, so what do you think the vast majority of Canadians stand for and, you know, how many people are buying his load of BS? Well, let me tell you the, the vast minority. So like today, I actually got stuck in minus 40 degrees outside uh, with uh, a little bit of wind chill. And I, I had to we seek shelter. Diamond hands is, we found out is the same as negative, negative 40 in Fahrenheit is negative 40 yeah. in Celsius. That's like the crossover or where it's like the same? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. I, that stat's wrong. I'm saying both <laughs> of you guys. I didn't look it up. But. Yeah. No, but anyways, it, it was cold as fuck outside, and uh, so I, I had to walk like three miles to find uh, find some place, and uh, I found this farmer's house, 
Uh, and uh, so I knocked on the door and I just talked to him for a while. And uh, I was stuck there for three hours. But guess what? Did you have like, <laughs> did you have, like water, like a big jacket or like? Uh, oh, yeah. No, I, I was prepared. I, I was really uh, pretty cozy, like walking for three miles. So I wasn't suffering or anything. You don't got to prepare for uh, crap like that. Skis, go get a dog out. I, I was missing my cross-country skis. I really <laughs> needed them. I'll tell you, the drift that I was stuck in was half the size of a Chevy Express. So it was pretty nasty. <laughs> but anyways, you know, it's, uh, what's hilarious is that uh, I had a conversation with this guy. And we actually started talking about... You know, he's 71 years old, this, uh, this farmer, and he was talking about Pierre, how Pierre fucked up everybody, and he was so pissed off at, like, Pierre was the most disgusting, and he couldn't believe that Trudeau even got in, you know, being his son, and, and knowing what his dad stood for. Well, guess what? Uh, little little Trudeau, he made it, like, five times worse. Actually, you know, uh, Trudeau, Pierre Trudeau might not be his dad. <laughs> There's some rumors that, as you said, you know, we got little Justin Castro, uh, you know, walking around this little totalitarian tyrant that he is. Uh, but anyways, you know, the, the general public, the feel that I'm getting now is it's really turning on uh, to, you know, all this. And a lot of people have taken two vaxes and now they're not taking the third because they see through the bullshit. And basically, here in Manitoba, it's hilarious because they first they removed the stats of daily like cases because they started to have more cases for like uh, actually percentage wise more cases uh, double vaxxed than, than unvaxxed. And so they they changed that. They removed that actually completely now. And uh, they have like a six week running average. So the numbers look better. But then they are like, oh, yeah, you're not in danger when they go into an ICU. But if you actually compare the vaccine and un unvaccinated vaxxed with deaths, it's almost actually like totally similar. And then, of course, it got out now that they inflated. Say about trigger words for YouTube so, or YouTube. Yeah. So maybe we talk about jabs or make uh, uh, some symbols to that. Because, you know, that's uh, – I mean, I, I do like reaching some people. Yeah, some here, stabs, yeah. So stupid we've got to do this. Yeah, but people that got stabbed, right? And, and what's really funny is that like the narrative was falling apart and then it came out that, you know, people that have been double stabbed, they actually uh, ended, you know, Canada up. Is very, uh, is very dangerous. Over 90% of people have been stabbed. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty dangerous There's place. You know, what's, you know, what's funny is so like he's talking about 90%, but when you look at the actual numbers, uh, it's more like here in Manitoba, it's only 77%. Now, triple stabbed people are now peaking out and flattening out that 44%. So, like, how about that, Trudeau? Like, you're trying to, like, push this campaign on, like, yeah, we just need more stabs. You know, like, let's stab people with 10 times. You know, they can't die. You're going to stab them enough. <laughs> Anyways, but it's, it's just showing you that, like, this farmer, actually, he's, like, he's had, like, tons of farmers, like he, he's very well connected in the farming community in Manitoba. And he's saying like most farmers, like probably like he said, like 70, 80% uh, hate the government. And he said that 68% of all the people in Manitoba are government workers. And so uh, like here, they just came out and so like, oh, we're going to reopen slowly and we're going to be open by spring sometime, you know, uh, and it's just a lap. Well, actually Saskatchewan, is one of the only places that actually care. And uh, Scott Moe there, he's like saying, we're going to remove everything by the end of this month, apparently. Uh, so we'll, we'll see, you know, there, 
Like he actually backtracked on a lot of stuff. They haven't been near as lo- like crazy lockdown as Manitoba or any of the other provinces has been. Uh, the the actual Quebec tax got rolled back. Uh, and funny enough, you know, like Trudeau was saying, like, all oh, those politicians, you know, like uh, supporting these truckers. Oh, guess what? The conservative, uh, like, actually, like we're talking about the conservative uh, politician voted in as an interim leader. Uh, the, one of the heads of the like that are, you know, praising the truckers. <laughs> So, so much about that, Trudeau, you know, and, uh, and Trudeau, like, fringe politicians. <laughs> it totally is blowing up in his face. And, you know, the reason why they voted the person like that in? Because it's public opinion. You know, they're scared that they're going to lose all their voters uh, if they actually come out against uh, these uh, truckers. And, and you got to remember, truckers are, you know, like the old good old cowboys, you know, they... They're very like a lot of them are very individualistic. You know, they uh, they're a lot by themselves. Uh, they they really work great together as a team. You know, they they're great at coordinating, as you said. So yeah, it's just I, I feel like this is just blowing up right in his face, and he's just like the total ignorant leader that he is. You know, like he's just doubling and tripling down because he he thinks he has media on his side, which he does, but it's totally failing. You know, there was actually uh, how much money just, did they give the media again? It was like six hundred million. Six hundred, six hundred million. And and he actually made fun of it. He thought it was a great idea to make fun of yeah, that. that. You know, like that's why I'm not getting bothered at a, a press dinner or whatever that was. But uh, when it comes down to it, there was actually oh another thing that's blown up in his face is actually Trudeau's support of the farmer strikes in India. So like this Indian, like mainstream Indian, like. Uh, uh, news organization on YouTube actually was making fun of how, how stupid he was, they, they were saying, because like Trudeau is like, yeah, he's supporting like blockades and everything for the Indian government. Like they were blocking off like parliament and stuff in, in Mumbai, like these uh, farmers that were protesting Monsanto and a whole bunch of other things. That was totally fine. But when they uh, come after Trudeau himself, you know, like they're, they're terrorists and racists and and so on, because there it might be one guy carrying around. And you know what? There, there was a uh, kind of a Nazi symbol there. Uh, and that was actually on the flag saying, uh, it said something about Trudeau, by the way. Like, it wasn't actually, like, like it, was it was actually talking about. Yeah. Nazi. And think, yeah. like, we used to joke, like, we used to joke around. I mean, not really even joking around, but, you know. Like Djokovic? About, yeah, like, we would talk about, you know, like, papers, please. And I was like. Not only, it's not only papers, please. It's like papers, please, and wear a fucking mask to cover your face. And the papers, please, is not to identify who you are, but to make sure you get stabbed, uh, you know, an infinite amount of times. And so, you know, if you guys want to hear more about that, you can go to uh, John's podcast. You have Ernest Hancock. That is at timandjohnster.com. It's on John's Odyssey channel. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any other places to see that, but those are obviously timandjohnster.com going to be the best place for that. But we've got so much stuff that, you know, we teased you yeah. guys with earlier to talk about. Uh, now, one of the things that I wanted to mention, and you know, we had talked about this guy. Uh, actually, I think on the last, last lost the last podcast, we had talked about uh, Richard Fisher, who is a former Dallas Fed uh, head, who said that uh, the Federal Reserve. This is, I think, like 2016 or 17. He said Federal Reserve has been running the market on heroin, and cocaine, and now they're trying to maintain it on Ritalin. This is like when they were stopped money printing, because uh, originally they're going to get their balance sheet from like four point. 5 trillion down to zero and ended up getting it down to like 3.8 trillion. And then now it's almost 9 trillion. So now they're basically saying that they're going to lower it to some other uh, un, 
announced to level. And you know, and for those of you who are uh, clients of mine or want to become clients of mine, like I did give a webinar the day that this came out, going over all the Fed press conference, and then like a huge hour and a half long, like well researched, at like spot on, not uh, you know sort of winging it like I'm doing now, presentation on exactly what is going on. And, you know, I'm thinking about releasing that to my email subscribers and like cutting off some of the Q&A portion of it. But uh, so just another reason that for you guys to sign up for timandjohnshow.com and sign up for the email alerts. But this is the Dallas Fed uh, president, former Dallas Fed head, uh, Richard Fisher. And let's see what he has to say about the market. What's, what's going to happen now? Do you believe it? Will, it? will they follow through? When I joined the Fed in 2005, we're in the middle of a rate increasing cycle. We have it ran for 14 different terms consecutively under Alan Greenspan. Uh, I think market operators should look at that history because it took a while to then dent inflation because there's a lag and when monetary policy impacts the economy. They know this. They're going to have to proceed deliberately. The worst thing you want to become if your share is Arthur Burns, who let things get out of control. And so at the same time, you don't want to squash the economy. The markets. This is why I believe they're being so uh, gradual and deliberate and telegraphing what they're going to do so that the markets can adjust. But let's face it, Joe, I want to come back to the, to the alcoholic metaphor we started with. The market's been wearing beer goggles for the longest possible time. Everything looks beautiful because money was free. And they just assume the Fed's going to bail them out. I, I think the, the strike price on the Fed put has moved significantly. And unless we have a dramatic turn in the markets that indicates it can infect the real economy, I don't believe under this chair in particular who has a credit market background that they will be weak yeah. in following through with what they've pronounced. I don't know about that. And you know what? There was actually, I actually had not listened to that clip before, but there was actually a lot of truth in that, that clip from uh, former Dallas Fed head Richard Fisher. Uh, I mean, not the least of it that the you know that the market is wearing beer goggles. Just think of like all the money managers who weren't around, you know, in 2007 to 2009. I mean, I, was, I actually started the Lehman Brothers crash, and I was managing some money for my school's uh, invest, student managed investment fund, you know, during 2007, 2008. So I was like sort of a part of that. And I, the first time I ever started to try investing was actually in 1999. And then my grandfather, who was going to give me a thousand dollars to invest convinced me not to because everything was crazy and the PE ratios. And the thing I wanted to invest in was actually Bluetooth. And he's like, oh, it's crazy. You think people are going to walk around with phones and paying for things and listening to music on these Bluetooth. And, uh, you know, probably wouldn't have to be, uh, probably would have never had to work if I put that thousand dollars in Bluetooth back then. But anyways, I'm not bitter about that, you know? So, you know, to me, that was like a billion dollars and I grew up kind of poor. So that was like, uh, yeah, never ended up using that. But uh, anyways, yeah. You know, it's well, just, by the way, Tim, I have some thoughts on like just to expand on his talk about alcoholism and so on. You know, basically what has been going on is Wall Street and the Federal Reserve. So Wall Street hedge fund, you know, managers and everybody, uh, including the PhDs over at the Fed, they were all in a in an Oktoberfest bear tent and had like one liter pints, you know, like constantly drinking, you know, uh, and, and then suddenly they uh, ran out of beer. You know, they're they're getting you know, kind of desperate. And so they uh, just trying to find anything, but they there's no more uh, alcohol in there. So what it, what is happening is that basically they're going to wake up with a terrible hangover, you know, when when the actual, 
You know, we're not even in tapering, and, yeah, and the moon, markets yeah, moon, are acting. Yeah, moonshine to keep their high going. Well, yeah, they would have to. Like, they would have to go like and actually blind to everything that's going on. Sorry. Well, actually, so what has happened, Tim, is they got a really bad batch of moonshine, like ethanol spiked moonshine. So they're all going blind, uh, you know, to what is really happening in the real economy. But, uh, I just I just don't see like how these guys, uh, you know, are surviving. And, and you know, funny enough, you know, when I interviewed uh, Chris Galazio, former uh, $8 billion fund manager from uh, Fidelity, you know, he told me that, like, he said, like, 90, probably 95, 99% of all the fund managers has no clue what, uh, what you're, we're talking about, Tim, uh, here. Like, they, they have no understanding. Like, they're just watching their little numbers and, and just live on, you know, they don't understand anything about macroeconomics whatsoever. Like, I mean, I've had the opportunity to, you know, working for like a major mutual fund house to get out of when I was out of college where, uh, you know, getting to talk to people who manage like $50 billion and they have no fucking idea about any of this stuff that we, yep. maybe they do now, but, you know, certainly back then. And actually I was working with people who had the best, like according to Barron's like tenure track record, uh, you know, basically from 2008 up until 2015 when I left, that was just a coincidence, but uh, yeah, I really was. I'm not trying to like have like a humble brag on that because I didn't really have anything to do with that. But, uh, but, you know, I did see where the tea leaves are going, but one of the things he did talk about was, how the Fed's put is you know further away than before, and I'm not really sure if I really believe that. And that that video was from about six days ago, or you know by the time you guys end up seeing this, you know seven, eight, nine days ago. And I think a lot has changed. We have like the, the worst job numbers are out. And it's weird that you know we're back to bad news is good news because then the bad news means that maybe there's more chance the Fed eventually printing more money. So I'm actually not out here like calling for a gigantic stock market crash or any like long prolonged crash at this stage of the game because I think it's only like a matter of time for this excuse where I mean let's remember the, the the pedal is still down right now we're not we have not put on the brakes yet we're still printing money that's going to be going on for the next two and a half months and then at which point it's going to stop and I think even just stopping that will be enough without even raising rates and so now when you've got you know this perfect storm is brewing again not going to get into the whole thing we've got a whole podcast episode called the perfect storm is brewing again which is like the last podcast we did so go, go check that one out and uh you know it's just like that fed put i think has is not as far away as richard fisher is talking about but yeah the market does have beer goggles and there's no way they can balance this tightrope of stopping inflation and not crushing the economy uh just like there's no way that augustus carson's can eat, eat, keep eating fucking big macs and not somehow weigh you know over 400 pounds like it'd be point. like it would be like on tmc it would be like your thousand pound life instead of 600 pound uh, life you know that's where he's gonna end up uh, uh it might become the new normal tim you know like we're gonna have thousand pound guys now so you never know yeah, he might survive it tim and uh you know they'll all they'll win in the end and uh suddenly he's gonna slim down and become this slender guy at you know uh, 150 pounds or something like that uh, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a total uh, total disaster what they're doing right now. And you know what's really funny is that uh, when I talk to this fund manager as well, uh, you're giving me uh, a perfect segue into total disaster. And that's never okay. Let's go. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so speaking of total disaster, thanks, John, for teaming me up with that and having a big softball and not being able to come <laughs> back from this. Is the Federal Reserve on in you know about a week ago announced that they're having about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago. Uh, announced their money and payments, the U.S. dollar in the age of digital transformation. Now, unfortunately, my computer crashed and I had to restart it. And I did have all this highlighted and it didn't save to my highlighting app. But, you know, essentially, sort of like the quick background on this 
is that uh, you know this paper is written in a tone to suggest that oh don't worry you know this is just sort of us talking and it's not a done deal and we're going to have public outreach but you know it's not not set in stone so don't worry which means you know you should really fucking worry and you know what the reason I'm swearing right now is because me swearing isn't going to fucking matter when they have everybody by the balls and you're stuck in their system and you're not going to be able to get out because this is the mark of the beast and this was the reason why I didn't get into Bitcoin early on because I thought that the underlying blockchain technology was going to be used to enslave people. But however, it's not going to be Bitcoin to enslave people. It's going to be the underlying blockchain technology when it's used. And yeah, they're going to attack Bitcoin. It's a whole other subject. And yeah, I know the uh, ties that Bitcoin has to Bilderberg. And I was probably one of the first people to ever talk about that and break that down and expose it myself without relying on anybody else's research. But they're going to probably try to crash Bitcoin even harder, or maybe it goes right back up, and maybe it goes to 100,000, and they drop it down to 20, and then they say, hey, we need to go and move everybody to a stable coin, or, or they just try to propagandize to get you there, or they turn the stable coins into Fed coin. And there's lots of attack vectors for how they can do this, but ultimately, they're not going to win with controlling Bitcoin. However, they are going to try to propagandize a lot of people to get their money in there. And maybe it occurs when the bond market blows up, especially like in Europe, when you've got all these negative interest rates and you've got in America. And so paradoxically, the dollar is probably actually going to get much stronger in the interim as all this stuff is going on, because in Europe, they've got negative interest rates, which you know basically makes a lot of capital flow coming to America. And so I know, you know it doesn't get a, good, a lot of good headlines saying this stuff. And a lot of you know, people have you know, criticized me in the past for saying this. Uh, you know, especially like in February 2020, Anarcho Poco uh, Q&A that I did. But, you know, paradoxically, the dollar will probably get stronger, but then that strength will then mean it's, it's harder for other countries to then pay back their debts that are denominated in dollars. That strength isn't going to lead to either further weakness. And ultimately, it is going to class, but it's not going to be like the exact pattern. And who knows? I don't know the exact but, pattern. But again, Tim, it's, it's like dollar strength, right? Like, because you still have inflation, you still have devaluation locally of the dollar, even though it's stronger versus, you know, all the other currencies. Uh, like, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely think like it looks like, uh, who is it? Grant Will? No, uh, I forgot his name, the dollar milkshake theory guy. Uh, you know, I, I think he's uh, he's pretty spot on, and of course, like he's not like the dollar will be the strongest. Like he's just saying that the dollar will win, and then it will lose big time. Uh, basically, you know, after after all the other fiats, what we got to understand, like this is hilarious, Tim. You know that farmer that I talked to, he said like we got a global uh, like the system is the same, and it's a global debt problem. You know, like that comes from a guy that lives in the middle of nowhere. You know, that is a farmer that sells onto a market. You know, it seems like these guys uh, understand something. He's and they much see more some... qualified than anybody who has a PhD yeah. in economics or no prize <laughs> like, you know, the homeless. Paul yeah, because he's a business owner. Like he does this for a living. Like he lives and breathes, you know, like this cattle farming that is he's done. Like he's a cattle ranch. Like he's done this for, uh, I think, like you said, like 50, uh, no, 40 years. Right. So uh, he has a little bit of a clue what's going on. And of course, you know, they talk together, all these guys and they talk, you know, globally. Like he was he was also telling me, you know, the government screwed them over during the uh, the whole like, uh, what was it? It was a scare of uh, mad cow disease. Like he said that they basically he, he thought that, you know, the U.S. planted a mad cow. It actually came from the U.S. And then they shut down the border and then the Americans didn't want any Canadian cows. The actual Japanese government was going to bring in because there's no facilities to actually process the meat. So the Japanese government was uh, a corporation was going to bring in, you know, to process the meat in Canada and then ship it to uh, to um, 
to Japan. But guess what? The government said no. <laughs> you know, totally uh, a great thing, you know, to devastate uh, the economy. But what he did, like, this is hilarious, too, too. He actually told me that he bought up a whole bunch of cops because he knew that you would have the election coming up in the U.S., and guess what? When Bush got in at the time, like he actually just reopened and then he made actually a crap ton of money because he betted on the politicians, you know, uh, doing something because they wanted to get elected. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, if you guys do you know, want to hear more about the Federal Reserve and everything that was going on with that, I mean, you guys can go check out the podcast I did with Ernie because I don't, I mean, we've got so much stuff to talk about that, you know, yeah. I just want to give like the highlights of what's going on. But, you know, going with, this whole central bank digital currency uh, you know, theme. We do have, I guess it's not a theme, but you know, what we're currently on right now, yeah. we got China's digital yuan wallet now has 260 million individual users. Uh, thank you, John Snyder, for this article. And I've not read the article, but I mean, this is a, it was quite the stunning headline. I think it really does speak to itself because I, I knew they had a lot in there. I didn't know that 260 million. And let's not forget, like people, you know, hoard themselves out to get into this for literally, uh, for the opportunity, I think they got like, you know, a lot of people got like $30 and like some sort of lottery. And then if you're really special, uh, you had the opportunity to win free laundry for the year. So I mean, it's, it, it, when you could print money out of nothing and then use that to then buy off the population, they're buying people off for the opportunity to win free fucking laundry and $30. Do you think it's like not too hard to buy people off around the world, especially like when half the, like about 2 billion people are so poor and a country that they're not even in that they didn't have the internet i mean actually john just got you know starlink the other day so you know he's up there you know he wasn't too far behind the third world i guess living in uh living in canada uh, john but uh the thing is like they're buying people off for basically nothing and getting them into the slave grid where in china it's directly tied into social credit score whereas in the rest of the world it's more like stealth social credit through the um obviously the vaccine passports that it will then uh, sorry, the stab passports, which will then morph into that. And, you know, that is something that I'm sure shit is going to happen unless people like me and you, people watching and spreading this information stops this. And it's like the main thing I've been warning about is before I even knew what a central digital currency was, like, I, I always knew there's going to be some sort of mark of the beast in order to buy and sell. And that's not from reading revelations. Like, literally, I like figure this stuff out. And then I first time I gave like a talk on this stuff was like 2009. And someone was like, oh, you're just ripping off the book of Revelations. And I'm like, I've never even read the book of Revelations. I didn't even <laughs> know what it even was, even because I you know, was growing up Catholic. And I always, like, I literally always thought that, that was a scam. And I always hated it. I always, you know, at a young age, like, knew, I mean, there's like no pedophilia or anything that happened to me, or I didn't see any of that. But I, I knew about it because my mom wasn't Catholic. And she was always sort of like shitting on the Catholic Church, uh, you know, apply for, you know, rightfully reasons. And so, you know, having like one parent that was and one parent that wasn't, you know, I sort of was like exposed to, you know, a lot of the bad stuff that was going on. So I never had, any, you know, some people like, oh, he's Catholic Illuminati now. But no, I denounced that when I was 17 years old. And, you know, aside from going to like maybe one or two funerals have not been like a wedding, have not been back into that place. Every time I go into like a Catholic church, it's, just, and it's not to say Catholic people are bad. I mean, plenty of good Catholic uh, people that are out there. Um, but it's just obviously like the hierarchy and the leaders and you go to Vatican, which I've not been, but there's basically like serpents everywhere and there's like no crosses. And, you know, and one thing that like Sam Tripoli talks about, and, and I'm getting into like stuff I didn't plan on talking about now is that 
uh, you know, that basically, you know, by them, you know, having Jesus on a cross, it's basically like them sort of taking like a victory lap. Like they're, they're never showing pictures of like smiling Jesus or happy Jesus or, uh, you know, it's, or talking about like the money changer aspect of things. It's always about, you know, them taking their victory lap, victory lap with him uh, being hung up. And I think that that, and, but, you know, why is there really no crosses and a lot of religious symbolism in the Vatican and why is there's like lizards and serpents and all sorts of weird stuff going on. I mean, that's like, that's, you know, probably fodder for another podcast of not crazy stuff I wanted to talk about, but, you know, here we are uh, back on the crazy train. But, you know, another thing I wanted to mention too, that I did talk about earlier was that fidelity explains why we live in a Bitcoin first world of plain and simple. And they just launched like a 28 page paper the other day, yesterday on this. And uh, the asset manager fidelity says Bitcoin should be considered first and separate from all other digital assets that have come after it. This is huge considering that Fidelity Digital Assets Division website opens with, we envision the future where all types of assets are issued natively on blockchains or represented in tokenized format. The multi-chain focused company recognized Bitcoin's inherent security in their latest report. And then, you know, for those of you who are listening right now, it does have a basically a chart and shows, you know, durability, visibility, fungibility, portability, uh, verifiable, scarce, track record, and compares gold, Bitcoin, and fiat. You know, it, it, it does say that Bitcoin is uh, fungible. I mean, I, you know, because some Bitcoin could be tied back to Silk Road and other Bitcoin is like what they call virgin Bitcoin. Uh, I would actually argue it's not fungible and something like Monero and, uh, you know, Pirate Chain or, uh, you know, any other privacy coin is, you know, much more fungible than Bitcoin. But that's, you know, really splitting hairs and getting into nerd dork stuff that most people don't care about. So uh, we'll just sort of leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, but getting back to also like they talk about, you know, tokenization and blockchainization of, of assets and everything. Well, guess what, Tim? You know, me and when me and Ernie went through like our whole like three and a half hour crazy spiel on, on the economy, we had actually we, we were diving a little bit into the DTCC. And guess what their main focus is has been in 2019 and 2020? It's blockchain development. Let's tell all the listeners who aren't complete nerd dorks like us what DTCC is, the, the Depository Trust uh, Clearing Corporation. Is that it? Yeah. Or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. And, and so basically, they are the central so they entity. They basically, have the, they basically are the ones who have the stock. And then there's other, you know, like uh, people that yeah. own their own. Those. Go back to our episode with Melody Crow. Where yeah. I believe we did get Yeah, into exactly. That. Yeah, because they basically own all the assets and, and people just basically own representations of them. And, and then they just do the central, you know, clearinghouse moving. They actually want to make everything digital, though. They don't want any of the stock certificates or hold out any of that. But they, they've been working on that since the, you know, funny enough, it started in the 70s, Tim. <laughs> it started to. I, mean, I thought you know, that really... was ahead of the times because I was talking yeah. about. Uh, how basically all of the financial assets would be tokenized and giving speeches yeah. on this going back to 2017 uh, when I first sort of had this like, epiphany about you know what Ethereum was relative to Bitcoin. But first, you've got to understand what Bitcoin is to understand how it's different than Bitcoin. And again, not making any like investment recommendations or pitches, just talking about the underlying technology and you know how it can be used to either free you yeah. or enslave you, just like a gun can be used. Yeah, it's to a, you know. Yeah, you know what it is, Tim. It's you know, ever since I found Bitcoin, you know, I came came at it from you know a, a historian type of perspective. I was super excited when I when I heard about Bitcoin. And, and what's funny enough, in 2014, I wrote an article called "The Rise of the Bitcoin Empire," and I uh, actually compared it to the SDR. What would be the next world reserve currency? <laughs> funny enough. And uh, now you're seeing, you know, uh, corporations and even countries, you know, making it into uh, forms of legal tender. 
I think in the future, you know, Bitcoin probably uh, could be an international settlement mechanism. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just for free countries, you know, that would use it. Or will it, you know, actually be, you know, potentially, you know, the uh, the grid that, you know, the elites will use uh, at the point when, you know, like Jamie Dimon says it's going to reach a million. You know, what's funny is we talked about the Bitcoin price. I believe like it'll sell down at a way higher level than it was last time, you know, last four years ago. What's going to happen is, uh, it's just going to go up from there again. And uh, potentially like through that whole, you know, you got the stock to flow uh, kind of model that, you know, models, you know, how Bitcoin actually halves every every four years, right? So uh, what they're looking at, like when it halves again, like you just get that massive run up. And, and this time, you know, we ended up at 68. I was actually way off on my prediction, by the way. I, I predicted like 125. No, I think it was one. 100 to like 300 or something i thought it could go to but i was way off you know i i think that jamie diamond is not probably far off he said like in four or five years or whatever he said it could be a million dollar uh and and who knows where we're getting because it's it's getting pretty uh pretty bad with you know inflation around the world like at home and um in in norway right now you know my my family is just talking about how bad the the energy bills have gone up like uh, some people are paying. Uh, I saw an article. There was a guy that paid 700% more uh, on his energy bill. Basically, went from the 117 kroner up to 1.17 uh, million kroner. So that's like a thousand percent increase. Um, and the government has come in and actually is paying now 55% of, of people's energy bills to him. Uh, so, but it was all created by the government lockdowns. Uh, all these. You know, insanity and total disruptions in, in uh, you know, the, the whole supply chain. Like I was talking to the farmer. He said, like, they're struggling to just get parts, you know, for for their farm equipment, you know, having things running. And like uh, he's like, this is like a third world country now. He said, like, we basically are struggling to find anything. And uh, yeah, it's it's insane. And then, of course, uh, yeah, let's watch this one. This one's too fun. It actually goes right into <laughs> I got to watch her. You know, if you want to keep talking over it, I, I yeah. Well, basically, this is a really cool. Like it's Freedom Tunes, but uh, it's basically this guy, you know, in the store. He's like, yeah, it's over. You know, I can't, uh, you know, afford anymore. Like prices are so high. And then the Fed comes in. You know, that's that uh, guy there. He's like, hey, the like inflation is only seven like percent. Looks like an, a Jack Neil uh, Kashikari. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And actually, Neil Kaskar is my buddy on LinkedIn. You know, I uh, I hang out with him on LinkedIn. Uh, For those of you who are listening, there's a, there's a cartoon guy who's going into a dollar store and the price of everything is you know, <laughs> skyrocketing. And then it shows these security guards who are supposed to be the Fed, according to John, yeah. who are then uh, hassling him. I didn't know it was, get, it was getting into all this. I, I haven't watched this. I know that you had sent this over, but it does. But we'll have you know, all this in the show notes. Yeah, it's really, it's it's just funny. You got a guy's got to watch it. It's all about like he's saying like it's 70%. No, you're wrong. And then it's like, well, we're in California. And then he grabs like this uh, steak and then like the price has gone up. So it's not 950, like it's a thousand. So now he's actually, because it's 950, you know, like you're not taken for, you know, robbery if you take it, but at a thousand because inflation went up so fast, (laughs) you actually get dragged away by the police at the end. It's, it's hilarious. It's, it's really funny for those of you that are economics geeks anyways. Yeah, no, that's really good. And speaking of being taken for, uh, the Israeli government tightens restrictions on large cash transactions from August 2022, payment in businesses and cash in the amount of uh, basically 1875 US dollar or more will be banned. And so 
Uh, just mentioned Israeli, which means I have to be obviously, and you know, it's going to be taken out of context someday. Uh, it means I'm obviously anti-Semitic. If uh, you know, you can't mention, the, you can't say the word Israel, and you know, God forbid, you know, uh, mention anything, even though you know Jesus did warn about the money changers, and here we go that you know you've got to basically you know submit to the crown's money, and you can't use too much. This is like you're already using their slave transaction money to begin with, but now you can't even use too much of it because they want to have the grips and everybody. And which is you know, one of the theses of why I think, you know, Bitcoin, you know, when we eventually get into this new paradigm, you know, why it's going to go absolutely crazy. Because you're either going to be in this track, trace, control uh, yeah, it's... system or you're not. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, there, there's two options, their money or the people's money. Yeah. And, you know, and that's why you even have But, you know, this is not going to be an easy ride. This is not going to be, you know, not one of these, you know, YouTubers. Bitcoin people who are, you know, constantly saying, you know, it's always going to go up and hyping it and, oh, I've got this ripple bag and keep going up and blah, blah. No, it's going to be a wild ride at the end of the day when the dust is settled and the music stops. Uh, maybe at the beginning of the music stops, it's it's not going to be great with a cut off the power or they do something like that. But at the end of the day, uh, when you only have two choices and it's either, you know, in the Fed system or in another system, uh, I think at that point in that paradigm shift, especially when after the dollar gets strong enough to then crash, but at that point, you know, it's going to be a whole, a whole new ball game. And then, okay, what if the government does come in and confiscate Bitcoin? It's on exchanges. Okay, let's. I don't, I don't know how much Bitcoin's on exchanges. Please, somebody. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Get I, yourself let's say, off of. Let's say they confiscate uh, three million Bitcoin and already like four or five million Bitcoins lost. Okay, well now that's you know much more scarce asset. People around the world are not going to automatically sell it. They're going to use decentralized exchanges, take it further underground. And this is mean uh, talking about something that's already happening. Like they already yeah. have decentralized exchanges. Yeah, they oh, yeah. right now because the gas fees to, which is in Ethereum, it's, it's called gas fees in order to move are outrageous and through the roof, which is why they need to get their crap together. Otherwise something else will supplant this. And the thing is like Bitcoin is a money and a money system and like a chaos hedge to me, not necessarily a, a safe store value, but it's like a long-term- It's an off the grid, like it's an off the grid system. Like you're basically off the monitor grid. So when that switch comes, if you're not in assets that are outside of that control grid of used dollar denominated assets, you're gonna be screwed. You're gonna basically, like it could be like a Simon Dixon, uh, what he was saying to me when I was in Anarchapulco like three years ago, he was saying that, you know, they're just gonna let the system crash and then they're gonna be like, hey, we got our new CBDC over here, guys. If you want your money back, all the money that you lost, you know, just come over here. You get all your money back. But if you want to, you know, just leave it in the system, you lose everything. So a, that could also, I yeah. I've talked about this stuff for so long and now it's here. And like so many smart people I know uh, who are even into Bitcoin don't even know this is a, a thing. Like super, super smart guys of like some of the smartest people I know, they don't even know that this is right around the corner or that this paper has been released or what a CBDC even is. Or they, they think it's something you smoke, you know, CBD or something. But, uh, you know, getting back to the Fidelity paper, traditional investors typically apply technology investing framework to Bitcoin, leading to the conclusion Bitcoin as a first mover technology will be easily supplanted by a superior one or have lower returns. However, as we have argued here, Bitcoin's first technological breakthrough was not as a superior payment technology, but as a superior form of money. As a monetary good, Bitcoin is unique. Therefore, not only do we believe investors should consider Bitcoin first in order to understand digital assets, but that Bitcoin should be considered first and separate from all other digital assets that come after it. And, you know, and then it does have a graph that shows, you know, stable coins is one, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, bucket, uh, DeFi is another. Stable bucket. coins. There's another bucket. And then it also yep. is like tied into Ethereum, 
which could be something like Ethereum if they don't get their stuff together that then is sort of then tied into Bitcoin. And, you know, and, and the thing is like these other things are much more speculative, but they're not really necessarily, I don't think they're going to be successful supplanting Bitcoin in what Bitcoin is supposed to be doing right now. But that's not to say they don't supplant it as like a web 3.0 or as like an application network, or someday maybe the stuff then gets built on another layer on top of Bitcoin, which, you know, yeah, is, it could be like the TCP IP protocol for, for all of our internet. Well, originally like Ethereum was a, I mean, obviously, you know, the quick version of this is Vitalik Buterin wanted to, uh, and uh, I forgot the other guy's name. It's uh, Yahani Mahalahov or something. Well, actually, we, we did interview him. I did interview him. Uh, he there, had, there's uh, another uh, guy as well, like from uh, Toronto and Canada as well. Cardano, the, uh, Cardano guy. Uh, yeah. I'm blanking on his name right now. It's, I've, interviewed, I've interviewed him too. So uh, damn, what's his name? It's, uh, oh man, it's gonna drive me nuts. Uh, and some of those guys are kind of social justice warrior-y, but um, oh man, that is gonna absolutely drive me nuts. And I'm, you know, let me, how do I not know this thing? Cardano, um, I misspelled it, but Charles Hoskinson. Okay, that's, so basically uh, they wanted to develop basically like Ethereum on the Bitcoin blockchain, but then, but the Bitcoin core developers were holding them back and, uh, I mean, I guess to their point, they didn't want, you know, basically to be using like more experimental stuff that could uh, mess up the underlying confidence of Bitcoin if it's not released properly. And so they sort of poo-pooed his idea. So then he took his idea and then, you know, long story short, created Ethereum, which is basically, you know, like this kind of global worldwide, you know, computing network where you can build applications on top of this. So then that way you don't have to build something on like Microsoft Azure that shuts you down or uh, Amazon Web Services that shuts you down or AWS or um, you know, obviously, you know, all these big globalist, you know, tech companies that, you know, have shut me down and shut you down and shut a lot of the favorite people that we like down. And so like you could have like this app store of the future where you build it on something like Ethereum where they can't necessarily shut you down or something like Ethereum. And so like a Tron, like Tron is one that I actually hold in my portfolio, by the way, uh, that are similar that doesn't use gas or anything. Uh, it's when was the platform. first time I ever talked about Ethereum on video? Oh, let's see. I did a Facebook Live before I started doing podcasts uh, in uh, May 2017 when it was under $100. So, yeah, it's crashed down to like, I don't know, what is it, like 30 times value when I, you know, first started talking about this. Uh, and that, that, I mean, I gave all the caveats about how risky it is and, you know, not saying to go invest in it. And this is at the time, but, you know, do your own research. But, you know, just letting you guys know something I was doing, which is not something I do very much especially as a financial advisor, but a uh, quick plug, if you would like to be able to buy crypto on sale, I'm not saying we're at the exact bottom uh, over here and we're still in a downward trend right now, but you know, you can use this on sale moment. You know, if you have Bitcoin in an IRA, or if you have an IRA right now, you can have some of that in, uh, you know, you could have it in the physical gold or silver or like the ETF version of it. And there's kind of pros and cons to both. Uh, I mean, personally, I think it's better to have, you know, the gold and silvers at your home and, non-IRA, but, you know, a lot of people do have their money there. So also, uh, you know, we can put it into like a Roth IRA where those potential gains that would be tax-free. That's what I'm doing. I've got a Roth 401k. We can open those up where it's actual Bitcoin now. And they, this is, and I had another way of doing it. Now it's much faster. And we've got a few other guys coming on. So I need to get them fat and happy and all trained up. And so in the beginning, you know, I'm, you're going to be getting me uh, when you talk to when you don't get them to the size of, you know, Carson's though. Yeah, yeah, not 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 that fat and happy. Another uh, nerd dork inside joke, and I say nerd dork because that's something where you know Sam Tripoli on Cash Daddy talks. That's you know the phrase that he uses. So, 
Shout out to him. Uh, then, yeah, here's another uh, crazy article over here where it shows that the metaverse real estate sales top 500 million and are projected to double this year. So, you know, that's uh, that's, that's pretty wild. Of course, you know, that's like the central land and uh, sandbox. And obviously you've got, you know, a lot of uh, more globalist competition coming in that space in the, the way of uh, Meta, uh, which is, you know, Facebook. And I uh, saw their stock crater today, I think down 20%. And then, uh, you know, Microsoft's, you know, they were in there too. Uh, you know, this news just got released today, kind of skipping around here. U.S. companies shed 301,000 jobs. I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean to laugh. It's just like, you know, you, you type in, you know, U.S. unemployment. It's talking about just like how many open jobs there are. And like most articles, you know, obscure this one. And it's, you know, very hard to see. Uh, I'll link this in the show notes, but this has an InfoWars, uh, Greg Reese report where this guy does amazing work. And, you know, he has talked about this in the past, but about the, the graphene oxide in the stabs. Let's not talk about that here because we don't need to get... You know, uh, well, by, by the way, RFID technology is something I work with on a daily basis with my well, access. Let's talk about here and get banned. Just kidding. No, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, so I know. So I know all about it. Like, it's pretty crazy, though. Like those micro nano, basically nano RFIDs. Uh, that's just taking it to a whole nother level. Samsung and a whole bunch of others are making them right now. And you can basically just put it in anything. Like, uh, since it's nano, you could fit it in basically, you know, vaccine. Uh, or, or no stab oh, or that, uh, and not a vaccine no it's uh that's, that's russian disinformation john russian yeah. russian anyone else is well russian? by the way you know who's behind the convoy let me yeah. break it to you it's the russians yeah john you can't uh, perfectly you know, again here we go canada support oh. of ukraine <laughs> in this current crisis with russia it, i don't know if it's far-fetched to ask but but oh, there really? is concern that russian actors could be continuing to fuel things uh, as this as this protest grows, but perhaps even instigating it from from the outset. Yeah, I'm sure it was the Russians that made that yeah. gain about an extra seventy pounds she's holding too. But you know what? When you're trying to go and, and enslave people, you know what? That's when we you know we, we don't we don't pull punches when uh, you know you're trying to enslave humanity when you're working for disinformation agents. Oh, that the Russians. Yeah, it's the Russians who are going. And you know, forcing Canada to have all these, you know, absolutely outrageous mandates. It's the Russians who are, you know, destroying everything. It's the Russian. I mean, oh, it's Cuba. It's Cuba. It's Castro Jr. that is, you know, trying to, you know, like destroy Canada, make it into a communist gulag. I'm not some like Russian apologist, and I hate that they even got to like make that, you know, little caveat to all this stuff. And yeah. uh, okay, yeah, I dated like a Russian Ukrainian girl in high school, and okay, so maybe that makes me some Russian disinformation agent uh the first reason i got on facebook in the beginning was hey. a russian girl that in 2004 that told me about it so uh, yeah one of my actually i worked with a team of russians by yeah, the way yeah. tim uh with uh, something called yule so it unfortunately it didn't go anywhere like it was we did an independent exchange offering and it failed but anyways that team actually one of the guys that was the head uh one of the head developers there uh, I, I have chats with him quite often and he lives in Moscow and he hates Putin. You know, like it's uh, it's pretty hilarious. He worked with the Russians, but they hate Putin. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, y you know what? Nobody likes these leaders around the world because they're pretty ignorant. You know, like you got more totalitarians like Putin and then you got just blatant uh, authoritarians like Trudeau and, and, and Biden is trying to be one, but really fails at it miserably. Uh, I think Trudeau as well, like it's just making himself look like a fool. And of course, you know, during this whole thing, uh, they're also trying to prop up, you know, like trying to scare everybody that, oh, we're going to war, like Russians are going to invade Europe. 
you know, like they're, uh, I was looking into region news, of course, like they were like, yeah, the Russians might come in, you know, like uh, in up north there on the Russian Norwegian borders. It'll like try to scare the crap out of people again, because remember what scared us, you know, into getting stabbed all the time. Uh, you know, it's a little thing, but this time it's a big thing, and it's uh, you know, uh, Mr. Putski over there, uh, you know, uh, wanting to like, hey, how about we drop a nuke on Russia and then see what happens? You know, he'll he'll just unleash hell on earth, so it'd be fun. You'll be nuclear winter, you know, like, we can stop global warming with a nuclear holocaust winter. There you go, I got a solution, let's do it. Let's nuke right now to stop climate change. We can stop the spread of COVID by killing everyone. You know, we can take yeah. all American <laughs> guns by having an all-out civil war. I mean, if they yeah. really cared about our safety, they wouldn't be doing this stuff. If they really cared about our safety and our health, they wouldn't be trying to start a war with Russia and goad them into it. And from my understanding, that like the Russian troops that are mashing on the border are actually like in a place that's like about like 120 miles outside the border that's actually closer to Moscow than it is to the Ukrainian border. I mean, that's, you know, just from- well, It doesn't really matter like where it is or whatever. It's, it's like you got the NATO out. troops are all amassing on on Russia's border all across. Like they put up the missile shields now. I used to be up in Russian Norwegian border and they actually put up the missile shields up there like four years ago. And you wonder like, oh, why is Putin so, uh, so mad at, you know, NATO? It's like actually NATO, you know, moving on like closer and closer to Russian territory. And, and as soon as, you know, like he puts his troops and you know like he has uh, people in ukraine that likes him you know on the russian side uh that actually they voted to annex crimea into russia but the russia didn't accept it at the time by the way and you know what who got uh, uh you know installed uh, as you know in the in uh, as an interim leader during the time like i forgot what, what time was it again like 20 I forgot when it was like this whole Ukrainian crisis, right? Oh, it was a neo uh, N-A-Z-Y, N-A-Z-I, you know, that they actually put in there. Uh, you know, uh, oh, yeah, that's... Canadian viewer, Z means Z. And, uh, yeah, Z, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, no, this is this is getting, you know, uh, insane fear-mongering as usual. You know, the, the, the economy is probably with low war because you get inflation and then you could destroy, uh, you know, the debt that you had and print and a whole bunch of currency. I mean, we never had World War One until yeah. we had a Federal Reserve, never had World War II until we had a Federal Reserve, never had a Great Depression until we had the Federal Reserve. Now I'm probably never going to have the Great depression and the thing is like we it doesn't necessarily mean that the stock market crashes like you could have a depression where the average person is basically poor and despondent and can't afford mm -hmm. the basic necessities of life you know there's already a lot of people that can't afford electricity already can't afford food or already on assistance in some way or another this isn't like a, a future speculation it's already here and so then you get people you know poor getting dumbed down to the food and air and water and propaganda that's going on and you create this like under slave class cloud and piven type strategy to then basically undermine the entire voting system to then have the voters and vote themselves you know goods from the public trough that then eventually collapses things and you know like alexander de tocqueville i believe it was him you know talked about that and, and it's weird that i even though i went to a uh you know a liberal arts school in new york they made us take classes where they were teaching us that stuff so if they were if i was able to glean that information off a of liberal arts school like how come all these you know idiot professors can't understand that we're repeating history again and again and again and you know we have talked about so many different things today we didn't get into it climate lockdowns it didn't get into hillary 2024 
Uh, I know that you were saying that, was it uh, like a junior world economic, let's tease people for another future, maybe it's a show that you do or maybe it's a show that we both do, but it was like a, it was like a junior globalist leaders club thing that you were, was it world like a junior world economic forum or junior? Yeah, no, yeah, no for sure. It's, uh, let's see, the young global leaders, I believe. And it's actually a, a forum that uh, they have. Uh, by the way, let's see here. Let's go to, like, this is just a, uh, you know, a little tidbit here. Uh, there's so many people. You know, the initial uh, young global leaders at the World Economic Forum in 1992 had Angela Merkel. Lawrence Summers was in there. Actually, Paul Krugman, Tim, uh, like not this year uh, that I have up here in 2009, but, uh, you know, Lawrence. Uh, one of the, one of, so this was Boris, I can't, it's really small right now. Former science advisor yeah. named as one of the three executives of Jeffrey Epstein's estate. Uh, yeah, Zuckerberg. yeah, and look at it like yes, Zuckerberg. Oh, and guess who else was there together with Zuckerberg? Is Stephen Bargell, uh, the current CEO of Moderna. <laughs> you know, this was 2009, by the way. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're just all over the place. They're like, uh, you find like them every year, and this is just the earlier ones. Like, me and Tim looked at the other ones, of course. Uh, like this, you know. Uh, oh, that was only for one year. I didn't even realize that because we have we have. Oh, no, this is year by year, and actually, these are just the what they call prominent. Like, look at this list. This is actually the ones that are getting in in doctor like in you know put in here. The crown prince. Oh, look at this. The crown uh, princess of Norway, <laughs> the Marit. <laughs> she was in here, you know, as a young global leader at this year. This is 2010. She she got like married into you know the Norwegian. A royal family they all hated it and so i guess she had to be like uh, a little bit brainwashed you know go in here like lot, lots of royals are in there a bunch of Rothschilds, by the way are in there as well like these wow. are some of the like from 2004 till now like these are some uh prominent you know people that have been in young global leaders like uh, alexander zoros tulsa gubbard daniel crenshaw Mark Zuckerberg, David Rothschild. I have not liked that guy from the second I ever laid <laughs> eyes upon. Well, both my eyes. Sorry. Yeah. But I will say it does suck only having one eye because like, for about a month and a half, my eye was pulsing. And then I had to wear like an eye patch for a couple of days. And I felt like freaking Dan Crenshaw or something. Uh, this is recently. It was from, like basically from like Halloween up until. I guess he wanted to try to get into the young global leaders. You know, me and Tim never got uh, never got asked. The closest I ever got was I was a junior chamber international. You know, where guys like JF Kennedy, uh, George Bush, a whole bunch of other you know elites, they were part of, like of the UN's global uh, you know leaders, the political more like a little bit of more political. But these globalist organizations are basically there to you know treat these. Uh, you know, younger kids or whatever you want to call them, like younger adults into, you know, becoming real, uh, you know, uh, colluding global, uh, you know, corporate fascists and, and, and work together, you know, as corporations and politicians and so on around the world. That's basically what they've been grooming them at. And of course, Klaus is very, you know, proud of what he's accomplished. And and really, like, what's funny is, like, everybody's focusing on the World Economic Forum. But what we got to understand, too, is, like, the World Economic Forum works hand in hand with the United Nations. They have the same exact goals, you know, that the United Nations, the Agenda 21, and ESG goals. Leaders and, and they're all, yeah. they got all their tentacles and all the different think tanks and, you know, consensus forming. But, you know, ultimately, you know, things do come back to public opinion. And when you've got, you know, all these truckers who are out there blocking things, I mean, that's how stuff ends up getting done. But we, we just weren't wanting to tease the people with that. 
for future yeah. report. And I think this is and, a great place to end it. And you want to know why? Yeah. Because for everyone on the betting lines who are betting that you were going to say FSB, I don't think you said it this episode. And I also no. don't say that. I also don't think you said Manitoba. I think you did say that Winnipeg because that one uh, new lady <laughs> that was uh, actual cisgendered female, not, you know, nowadays, you know, you're only in the news if you're like a guy that became a girl. But um, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, you did not manage uh, to say no, I did Manitoba. I, I said Manitoba yeah. once because she was a MP for Manitoba, unfortunately. Okay, and then you did bring up <laughs> Norway too at the very end with Norway, Russia. Because I was gonna say, oh, he didn't bring up Norway either, but then you brought up Norway at the very end. So yeah, the crown princess like of Norway big, was yeah, hanging out there. We need to create like one of our viewers can use create like a like a bingo game of like things that you know everything that you, <laughs> that you mentioned at least once yeah. a show. Well, Tim, you know, Tim one, one more, one more hilarious little tidbit here. Okay, so I got a you little don't envelope. No, there's no SSB. Here. But I, I got a little envelope from uh, from Lebanon, by the way. And and actually, guess who's like? Guess how the you know the banks in Lebanon is making money right now? They're actually selling their dirty, you know, useless fiat because people are collecting it, like me. <laughs> and so this one actually came from you know Natalie Abi Chinini. Uh, you know, from the, the Blum Bank Concord branch in Verdun. Uh, and so that's how the banks are making money down in, down in Lebanon. You know, they, they can't, you know, use their useless fiat, but they could sell it to foreigners that are collecting it for, you know, to put on my wall here. You know, I got my wall of shame all around me here oh. with dirty old fiat. So, yeah, I just had to, you know, mention that, that, you know, the new business model of banks will be eventually, you know, in Canada and the U.S., they would sell the worthless fiat. You know, look at look at what happened to the hundred trillion, you know, dollar. This one is worth two hundred dollars now because they did. They actually got rid of a whole bunch. <laughs> fiat is more worth than it ever was in history. So, you know, what you got to do is you got to buy the really high denomination notes and you make a crap ton of money down the line. That's yeah, hodl. Not necessarily yeah. investment advice. Do not put all of your money into worthless fiat from third world uh, dictators. And speaking of which, I know it's not third world and it's a G20 country. And I wasn't meaning to bring this up and I forgot about, uh, I forgot that I'd read this. Because everything where I saved notes and Evernote, but then for some reason my phone is messing up and it's like not saying it's saving it, but it's not saving it. And it's super frustrating. I need to probably, I need to figure that out. But, anyways, uh, I did read this story today. Uh, it wasn't from the site, but I quickly just you know searched again. But Turkish President Erdogan fires government statistics chief as inflation skyrockets. I think they said it's like 36% inflation. And so like they they fired like several different statistics people. They fired and they fired two central like, bank heads, Tim. Yeah, they that, fired two central bank chiefs to talk about. And, so, uh, and actually, I just bought a gun that came from Turkey because part of me was like, well. If they're going underneath like this massive inflation, then maybe it's going to be harder to get this gun in the future. And it's one that I wanted to get. And so, uh, you know, that's why I got a Turkish gun because I'm like, all right, well, you know, this was like a cool one I wanted to get and had been recommended to me. And I knew that what's going on with Turkey, you know, who knows what this, you know. Well, he wants the Ottoman Empire. You know, that's basically what Erdogan wants. He wants to rebuild the good to, old Ottoman. But then, but then to then say, okay, we need to fire our statistics <laughs> who are probably already like rigging the numbers like, they're rigging the CPI, Tim. Where, who would do that? Who would actually rig the CPI I mean, numbers? Maybe they read like my little like little ebook I made on uh, on inflation, unemployment, how they. It's called, the book was called How It's Rigged, and basically, you know, it gives like a template for what they're already doing now through their own admissions. Like it's not me like theorizing what they're doing; it's what they've already admitted 
to how they change the CPI. And so, I mean, these numbers are games rigged. You guys already know this, unless you're new. If you, I believe if you text uh, Liberty Advisor, one word, no spaces to 71441, I did not have that pre-scripted or planned. Uh, Liberty Advisor, one word, no spaces, uh, 71441 will be sent that little ebook that I think it was like in 2016 when I wrote that to dispel what was going on with Obama at the time. And then basically it could be used for Trump and not could be used for Biden. And uh, yeah, because everybody wants to gin, gin things up, you know, keep printing money. Trump wanted to keep printing money, make things look good. And he gets to be the big savior and wants everyone to like him. And uh, anyway, that's a whole nother topic. Uh, you know, he worked really hard to get him in there and then immediately started talking crap as soon as he picked people like Jerome Powell at the head and then of the Fed and then he started bombing Syria. Don't need to get into all that stuff again. Didn't even need to get into this, but you know, it was too good that the Turkish president fired the government physics chief as inflation skyrockets. I think that's a great place to end it. Timandjohnshow.com. Make sure to check us out. Make sure to check out John's recent uh, interview with Ernie. Check out my interview with Ernie to, uh, you know, he's an OG of the Liberty Movement. Uh, he's actually going to be the, the MC of Anarchapoco uh, this year. He was the first one as well. So guys, check him out at freedomsphoenix.com. Check out his newspaper. Uh, anyways, I'm Tim Pichot, Liberty Advisor, the libertyadvisor.com. John Styson, The Economic Truth, uh, economictruth.org. Check us out at timandjohnandshow.com. Thank you guys very much. Love you guys. Let us know other topics you want to talk about in the future. And we will eventually, I'll get into the reasons why I think Hillary is my front runner right now, 2024. Uh, for those who don't know, I did predict Trump was going to win in 2016 on video and they blame it on the Russians and why they blame it on the Russians. And I predicted Trump will lose in 2020 because they would take a small amount of counties and rig these six states that were in a PowerPoint for a presentation that's all on video. And I was talking about this probably hundreds of times throughout the past, you know, three years leading up to the election. So I don't know. Do you know if I then nailed the Hillary one, uh, which I hope I don't, then I mean that's really me not to sound like some egotistical jerk over here. But yeah. I mean, I've seen so much flack for this over the years and getting called up everybody when I really just wanted to like help people that uh you know yeah it really sucks Tim and you know I, I thought Hillary would actually get in and you know Biden might have been dead or Kamala by now and Hillary would have won. But I guess you you might be right that you you know again Tim is Tim is right again. Hopefully not, but yeah. yeah. I mean, hopefully not. I mean, and, and I was working hard to make sure, I, you know, that basically, you know, Trump got in mainly, you know, I was, you know, I was, it was before I got into like anarcho-capitalism, I was sort of like on the fringes of it, but then, you know, as, you know, immediately, you know, I, it wasn't about Trump getting in, it was about stopping World War Three with Russia, with Hillary, but obviously that doesn't mean that Trump is an angel and there was enough good stuff he was putting out and he was, you know, pretty anti-vaccine at the time and he was talking about, uh, you know, how like, uh, the, the day of 9-11 was, you know, on the ground talking about how it had to be bombed. And there was no way, you know, planes could take these buildings down. And he was, you know. But then you had Biden and, Biden and Kamala was anti-vax too. You got to remember. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> like two years ago they were. And so, I mean, the, the, the whole thing, yeah, all politics is a joke. I mean, literally the first podcast I ever did says, doesn't matter if Jesus wins. I mean, what is going to happen is going to happen. And then there's no way to stop the inertia of where the system is going. And the real changes such as, you know, uh, basically getting rid of the Federal Reserve and retaining monetary independence is just too hard of a bandit to pull off. You know, he should have. And I'm not that money according back shit. I was talking about all this stuff the past four years and getting eviscerated and being called, you know, every liberal whatever by people, uh, you know, for talking about this stuff, putting it out there for years. And it's just very, very frustrating because I wanted to help people. I wanted to wake up, you know, the Trump people, but then they just, you know, all got into one big circle jerk and, you know, everybody listening to people who were just saying, oh, Trump red wave, and it's going to be, you know, the Trump family for the next, you know, 30 years. And 
uh, you know, New Day for America, all had their eye off the ball. Nobody cared about, I mean, Trump should have never been giving interviews to mainstream media, should have been all doing all alternative media. Yeah, I'm sort of biased on that. Uh, should have been getting on something like Gab, should have proactively gotten off Twitter right out of the gates, you know, could have used his position in the, as a bully pulpit to really affect things. And yeah, he did do some good things and he got some people, you know, pulled out of the Paris Climate Treaty and yeah, there's is some good things he does, but it doesn't mean. I sure woke up a lot of a lot of people, you know, from uh, the. Yeah, and then, then having this election, uh, you know, having this election, you know, how how, uh, you know, what ended up happening with that, you know, certainly woken up some people and don't want to get into those details and that predicted it ahead of time. Uh, and you know, I really recommend people go listen to an interview that Ernest Hancock did with Denny Smith and Beth Harris. Beth Harris is the one who, uh, is the producer behind Hacking Democracy, who is a liberal. And uh, she got teamed up with Benny Smith, who is a black Democrat, I believe out of Memphis or Knoxville. And he was uh, you know, on the board of elections there and a computer programmer and whiz uh, guy. And you know, he discovered the fraction magic in the voting machines. And again, the black Democrat, so obviously he's a white supremacist, uh, you know, Russian agent. Uh, and the only interview I've ever heard this guy give was on Ernest Hancock's show. And it's like amazing how he's like the one that discovers, uh, you know, he's the guy that like helps get Ron Paul uh, to draft him to run in 2007 and creates the first Ron Paul meetup group. And he's the guy that creates the Ron Paul Revolution logo. And the second radio show start talking about Bitcoin, you know, basically in the world behind Free Talk Live. And the first person start interviewing Judy Mikevitz like over like a hundred times. Actually, the person that basically discovered me as well, the person that discovered like Tone Bays, not that, you know, I got problems with Tone Bays, but uh, I mean, not, not, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of stuff he says, but, you know, there's some other stuff I don't agree with. I guess like like anybody. Roger Ver, not to mention Roger Ver, he got Roger. Yeah, Ver, talking, he had like Vitalik Buterin on the show, and, and no one knew who Vitalik Buterin even was. Yeah. But no one knew who Dr. Judy Mikevitz was. But no one knew who a lot of these people were. Like he somehow, like he just interviewed like Michael Heiss. Creates the uh, trends. He's the trend yeah, he, man. He, 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 I mean, he'll have people like Gerald Salente on. You know, people do know who he is. But anyways, not to give like a huge, uh, you know, glowing endorsement. Yeah, I do mean to give a huge glowing endorsement of Ernie. So, anyways. You know, a lot of what we have to say does come from, you know, the understanding and the years of experience that he has, you know, sort of bestowed upon us. But obviously, we come more from the financial angle. Uh, but, you know, it's not like I agree with everything he says, but I mean, I can't really, you know, not like too much I probably don't agree with. But anyways, uh, thank you guys so much. I know that was like the longest outro ever, uh, probably even longer than the intro that was very long. But, you know, we love you guys. Uh, I guess, you know, rambling on and not ending things is something we're good at. But, you know, I'm the Iron Man, so obviously, you know, I can go a long time. But anyways, thank you guys so much. We'll be back uh, again. We're, we're trying to do these. Basically, we're recording this, uh, you know, every other Wednesday, uh, you know, and trying to keep that consistent. Now this will be, I think, like the second or third one in a row that we've kept consistent. And so anyways, love you guys. Thank you guys so much. Please, you know, like, share, subscribe in the comments, do all that stuff. Talk to you guys later. And uh, stay free. Take care, guys.